on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, as always, alongside Steve Geller. And we are bringing in Sean Pendergast from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. He's the host of Payne and Pendergast and also the Hutopia Football Podcast with John McClain. You can also follow him on Twitter at Sean T. Pendergast. How are you doing, Sean? Thanks for... Uh, I'm doing great. It's great to see you guys. Look, I'm very excited for... Uh... For a little week six matchup, if the Texans finally are playing games with juice this year, like if by week six or seven, the last couple of years, you know, we've been looking at mock drafts. So this is kind of fun oh, to be able to actually look at power rankings and spreads and not have them be double digit spreads and things like that. That's where we are in the rebuild right now. <laughs> yeah, You know, and we were, I was talking to Steve about that on our last episode. And, you know, I think there's certain teams at this point in the year where you can see they're probably a year or two away. You have the you have but you feel like you have the right coaching staff in there. You have the right scheme in there, and they're just teams that just refuse to roll over, even though it's like you, you know you're not expecting Houston to you know go to the Super Bowl this year. They but you do want to see a team that gets into the second half of the season and feels like it's competitive for a playoff spot. And I think that's what you have with Houston now. And I think any team going to face that team feels like okay, yeah, we have our work cut out for us. Look, it wasn't that way after the first two weeks. They got blown out in weeks one and two. And the week two blowout was at home against the Colts, who were almost as bad as the Texans last year. So um, so it wasn't feeling that way two weeks in. But I think the the win against Jacksonville in Jacksonville in week three, I think woke a lot of people up. They won by 20 in Jacksonville. And then the Steelers win two weeks ago, I think, was one where people really sat up. Not that this is a great version of the Steelers, but the, the Texans – carried that game from wire to wire. They were up 16 nothing at the half. They were up 30 to 6 at the end of the game and they dominated that football game. Um and then last week against Atlanta that game could have gone either way. So yeah, I, I think and look, I know we'll talk about CJ Stroud. He's the big catalyst for all of this. D'Amico Ryan's I think was a great hire as the new head coach here. We'd love D'Amico here in Houston. CJ Stroud's been the catalyst for for all of it, but I think yeah, Jeff, the 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 Looking at the Texans' schedule the rest of the year, I think you look at the Texans in a vacuum and go, okay, yeah, that's an improved football team. they got young pieces on both sides of the ball that are that are either playmakers already or are going to be playmakers for them. But you look at the way this schedule lays out, Derek Carr might be the best quarterback. Well, <laughs> let me take that back. Assuming Joe Burrow's legs are still working in week 10, right. Derek Carr is probably the second – he might be the second best quarterback they face the rest of the year. Their schedule – is not that difficult the rest of this the rest of the season. They already play in the AFC South, which is probably not as bad as it as it's been, but it's very balanced. They cross over with the NFC South, obviously, which those are games that are four winnable games for the Texans, and then they play a last place schedule on those other variable games. So, um, so yeah, I, I think we're feeling like just like you said. I think it's probably a year away from feeling what like wow, this team could be playing deep into January. But I absolutely think the playoffs are in play for this team based on kind of how expectations have changed over the last three weeks. You know, it's funny you say that about the the Texans schedule. You look at that. That's what we were doing when the Saints schedule came out, too, looking sure. at what what quarterbacks is this team going to have to face. And it was like the biggest scare really was, it seemed, Trevor Lawrence yeah. on the schedule at the time. Obviously now, yeah, we'll get into more with C.J. Stroud, who's been so impressive uh, with his rookie start, obviously getting all the accolades, not even throwing a pick yet right now. What has it been about his game that's meshed so well already? Well, I think a few things. One, let's just start with him personally. He's a great kid. He is uh, he like I know probably gets thrown around like student of the game. Like if you know, like if there's a quarterback that comes in that that just feels like they're 
a good guy or whatever, you feel like, well, he must be a student of the game. Look at all the numbers he put up in college. CJ is notorious for all the film work that he puts in. He's a real football nerd, you know, like I say that in a good way. Yeah. Um, and he, I think the, I think Steve, the biggest thing that has not necessarily been a surprise, but probably a surprise to maybe people around the league, given that S2 test, that S2 test that came out, you know, with where he scored in like the 18th percentile, which was, as it turns out, like, I mean, CJ has CJ. What CJ is doing, there should be a gigantic for for lease sign in front of this S two headquarters now, based on what he's doing. That test is bunk when it comes to football. But I think it's how quickly he's picked things up. Well, you guys saw him in the preseason a little bit, not too much, uh, just a few series in that game. But if you go back and look at CJ at the beginning of training camp, where he was making a lot of rookie mistakes, holding onto the ball too long in practice, a lot of plays in practice, you can't hit him because he's got the red jersey on. But a lot of plays in practice, you go, well, that would have been a sack. That would have been a sack. That would have been a sack. And I think he's just come – he's come so far so quickly. And you look at him and you go when – you, when you looked at him early in the season, you go, okay, what are the things that are wrong right now? We know he's got great accuracy and the physical talent is there. But early in the season, he wasn't getting into the huddle quick enough or getting plays executed quick enough. The operation was slow. The Texans burned all three of their timeouts with like eight minutes to go in the first half against the Ravens in the opener because he wasn't getting things going quickly enough. That hasn't happened since that game. And then you look after the first two games, he's taken 11 sacks in two games. Granted, playing behind a patchwork offensive line, but still, when you get to 11 sacks in two games, some of that's on the quarterback, especially a young quarterback. He hasn't taken a sack in the last three games, and that's behind an offensive line. They haven't played the same combination of guys in a single game yet this year, and they've been missing Laramie Tunsil for most of the year, their Pro Bowl left tackle. So I think the biggest thing to me is just how quick a study he is, how quickly he picks things up, how well he's connected with his teammates. He has his teammates over to dinner almost every night at his place. Um, he's just, I mean, he is a, he is a dream. And it's crazy to think that there were a lot of people in Houston, present company included, who were mad that the Texans beat the Colts in week 18. Cause I wanted Bryce young, you know, like I've eaten a lot of crow over that one. So, and I'm happy to do it, you know? Right. Um, so, um, so I think that's probably been the biggest thing. He's obviously incredibly impressive with his throws and the anticipation that he throws with is next level. It's that's like year two and year three stuff. If you watch some of his throws on the all 22, like on that back view from behind the line of scrimmage and the ball's coming off his hand and the receiver's not even out of their break yet, that's stuff that is like it, it, to be doing that in like week three and four as an NFL quarterback behind a in a muddy pocket, you know, like is is just next level stuff. So in a city where we, we you know, we thought Deshaun Watson was going to be the guy here forever. And then that whole saga played out. It feels like at least early it's early. But it right. feels like at least early we might have landed on something better with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, you know, it's, it is funny because you, you look back at the Saints and it did seem like the Saints were kind of mired in this me mediocrity for a while. And then one really, really good draft can be enough yeah. to kind of, you know, surge you out of that. And the Saints had it in 2017. They got Alvin Kamara. They got Marcus Williams. They got all these guys. And then all of a sudden, that's what kind of fueled them through the next few seasons. It kind of feels, it's obviously different for the Texans this year because anytime you land that quarterback and feel like yeah. you got the right one, that can, you know, that's like jet fuel for your franchise. Yeah. But it does feel like even independent of that, you look at Will Anderson, they traded up to get him, I believe. And, uh, you know, all these, there's several other rookies who are having a big impact. You know, is that kind of how it feels? Because it does seem like, you know, from a, from afar, it seems like they've really nailed this draft. No doubt. Yeah, Jeff, it's, it's, it's absolutely what it's been. You know, Will Anderson, 
Tank Dell, who's not going to play in this game because he's in concussion protocol, but the the kind of the small wide receiver who you think is a slot receiver to look Trust at him. Me, and I love Tank him. Dell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every fantasy owner did on that week against Jacksonville for sure. <laughs> um, but Tank Dell, Henry Toa Toa, the inside linebacker from Alabama, has, he's a starting linebacker on this team now. He's their leading tackler. He's been a real nice find for them here. And then I even think last year's class is the one that – if C.J. Stroud weren't playing so well right now, that last year's class is the one that would be drawing a lot of scrutiny for Nick Casario, the general manager here, because his two first-round picks were Derek Stingley Jr., who when he's played has been good. But as you guys know, in Louisiana, Derek Stingley Jr., he's you know he's a bit paper mache uh, when it comes to the injuries. At least he has been since 2019. He's out with a hamstring injury again. And then Kenyon Green, the guard they drafted out of Texas A&M, has been a disaster, and he's out for the year with an injury. He's not hurt against the Saints. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's holding his arm. Yeah, on that one pass rush. He was gone two days after that for the rest of the year. He apparently came into camp with an injury that they thought – they were kind of playing with fire a little bit, but that that draft class that draft class actually has been pretty decent, except the two first rounders. Unlike the Stroud Will Anderson class, the Stingley Kenyon Green class has been very questionable. But they got Jalen Petrie out of that draft, who's been really good at safety yeah. for them. They got John Mechie the third, who uh, was in cancer treatments last year, but he started to now get into the mix as a wide receiver for this team. They really like Mechie, Christian Harris from Alabama. Hey, this just in—they really like Alabama guys here in Houston. But Christian <laughs> Harris, the linebacker, Damian Pierce, the running back a handful of other guys, too, who've seen the field. That's exactly what it feels like. And, it, and it's, it feels very acute, this young core that they're putting together, because just a couple of years before that, it was very veteran-laden team. You know, it was a lot of guys who were – they were older. It was a J.J. Watt era kind of guys. And and they traded for Laramie Tunsil, who's now an older player. And and DeAndre Hopkins at that time was six, seven years in. Those were your linchpin sort of guys. And then I, I don't need to t- – I mean, we could do a whole separate podcast on the Jack Easterby, Bill O'Brien era here that took this team down into the depths of hell. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal, but it left the Texans with no cap space and no draft picks. So in 2021, where their rookie class their, – their first rookie they picked was Davis Mills with the 67th pick, and a lot of the other previous picks from the years before hadn't worked out. It was really weird to like, not weird, but it was very, uh, you know, it was a lot of jealousy, like looking around the league going, man, like that team, that crappy team over there at least has five or six guys who they know are going to be on the team three years from now. We don't have anybody who we think will be on this team three years from now. So it feels really good to not only find the quarterback, but string a couple draft classes together. And it feels like they've, they've found like the right kind of players. Like they've, they found guys that are like real, like they, they, they've got a dog mentality to them. I think D'Amico, has really helped out with that in the evaluation, being a former player and a former dog, really, himself. <laughs> I think he's really done a good job. When you guys see the game on Sunday, I think you'll see a lot of the young players have have some real like uh, like alpha qualities to them. One of the big surprises, I think, this year, and I guess you mentioned it, it probably stems from issues with the offensive line. There's really been no run game for the young quarterback to lean on. Uh, Damian Pierce, I know, has struggled and really not much behind him either. Yeah, it's been bad. It's and, and this this is maybe the the worst thing I could say. The run game that they've put out there this year is worse than anything that I've seen with Pep Hamilton as the OC last year or Tim Kelly as the OC the year before. It's been really really bad statistically and aesthetically. It's been bad, and that that's unexpected because you know Bobby Slowick, who I don't think has done a bad job. Like I think the injuries on the offensive line have. There's been zero continuity on the offensive line. Right. This offense is one where continuity is a big part of it. You know, the five guys working is one sort of thing with the offensive line. 
So I don't think it's entirely like pointing the finger at somebody. I think the football gods have had something to do with it with all these injuries too. That said, I mean, the other teams aren't going to feel sorry for you when you trot this horrible run game out there. And it's looked, it's looked bad. And, and I'll say this for the first time, Damian Pierce is probably catching some heat from the fans and the media this week, just because look in this day and age, you guys know there's so much content and so much available out there for us to make us feel like we're smarter watching football. If you subscribe to NFL plus, like I'm sure we all do, you got the all 22. So like now all of a sudden we're all Bill Walsh watching this stuff, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so people are cutting up their videos and putting it up like, look, Damian had a hole to the left and it'd be, he'd still be running if he ran there, <laughs> which I think there's some merit to that because Damian's got a style that doesn't feel like it fits a, a, a Kubiak Shanahan offense all that well. He's a bull in a china shop, but he's catching some flack for the first time. And D'Amico Ryan's fed into it a little bit this week in his Monday press conference when he was asked about the run game. And D'Amico said, and obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he said he thought the blocking was good. He thought the guys were getting their assignments. When he talked about what needed to be improved, he said, I think we just need to make more guys miss. I think we need to, you know, all the things that he was critical of were running back based. Right. All of the things that he was complimentary of were offensive line based. So I think okay. there was probably a subtle message, maybe even not so yeah. subtle, to Damian Pierce, who had all the carries, by the way, in that loss to the Falcons. Devin Singletary didn't touch the ball one time. Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, the run game is is bad. I mean, and, and I don't know. I don't know that there's anything except time that's going to improve it, honestly. Yeah, I think I did see one critique on Twitter that was like, he just runs directly at people every time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like he's magnetically drawn to human beings, which is fun. It's, it'll win you the uh, the angry scepter that Kyle yeah, Brandt right, has. Right. Yeah, I mean, he won that last year. So, I mean, like if Damien's goal is to win the scepter for the angry run, then he's got the right tactic. He's going about it the right way. I myself would like for his goal to be to get, I don't know, like four yards a carry one of these games. He hasn't been over 3.6 yards per carry in any of the games so far this year. And again, a lot of that's not his fault. He's getting hit. I mean, the line of scrimmage moves on him before the ball's even touching his hands in the backfield. You know, like it's 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 not been good. So, And this is a good defense. You guys know. I mean, I, I like the Saints have not played a murderer's row of teams, but they've done what good teams are supposed to do against those teams. Defensively, they've taken care of business so far. So my last question, uh, and you know, Steve may have others, so don't don't mm-hmm. take that from me. But uh, you know, so obviously Tank Dell doesn't seem like he's going to play. It's you know, typically when you go into the concussion protocol, you can guarantee a week out. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of you know, it takes it's pretty difficult to clear those hurdles in one week. So mm-hmm. without Tank Dell, Robert Woods is questionable. Although I think he's just dealing, he's mostly just resting based on what yeah. the injury report said. But who are the wide receivers that you yeah. expect to step up? Because obviously Noah Brown's on IR. So who, you know, is it, is it Robert Woods? Is it John Mechie? Like what, what do you expect? Well, Nico Collins is right. eighth in the league in receiving yards right now. Right. So he's, he's been, he's been their most productive player from a yardage standpoint. Tank Dell's their most explosive player in terms of being able to stretch the field. But Nico's been awesome this year. I mean, Nico's got a lot of explosive plays. There was a point not too long ago in the season where in terms of 20 plus yard catches, it was Justin Jefferson and then Nico Collins, you know, and so he's he's got a lot of that. They've CJ Stroud has got a real good chemistry with Nico Collins on a lot of the crossers and quick slants. And Nico is a guy who's big. He's strong. He's got an extra gear that you wouldn't think a guy his size would have. So when he catches the ball, you know, if he catches an eight yard slant, it, it typically turns into 14 or 15 yards because he's either going to get he's either, you know, either 
gotten himself nice and open or he's going to run over whatever small defensive back is on him. So it's it's an, it's incumbent upon Nico Collins to have a big game in this one. John Mechie is just kind of now getting into the swing of things. I would expect Mechie to get some of the snaps that Tank Dell would have gotten. That's what seemed to happen last week once Dell uh, went into concussion protocol right before the half of the game against the Falcons. Um, Noah Brown is actually back at practice this week, so I would expect – yeah, yeah, he was back at practice yesterday, so I would expect him – to see the field he was starting at the beginning of the year ahead of Tank Dell. So, um, and then, yeah, Robert Woods will play. Robert Woods, the rib injury he's listed with, he actually he actually suffered it in the Falcons game, left the game for like three plays to the point where they announced that like Robert Woods is questionable with a rib injury, and then three plays later he's back in and he's playing. He doesn't <laughs> practice on Wednesdays anyways because he's 90. Right. So, um, yeah, so uh, the, I would ex- – and Dalton Schultz has become a bigger part of the offense. So I, you know, Dalton Schultz, who caught the touchdown that put the Texans ahead against the Falcons late in the game last week, he seems to be kind of hitting his stride and in, in building some chemistry with um, C.J. Stroud. So they've got guys who can catch the ball, and they've used Pierce out of the backfield too. Pierce has shown himself to be a pretty decent receiver in the screen game and the little angle routes that you run with running backs sometimes out of the slot. Um, and Devin Singletary too. So they've got guys. They've got capable guys. I think what they miss with Tank Dell is the, the downfield threat. And it's not even hitting Tank Dell downfield. It's the threat of Tank Dell clearing out the middle of the field for those crossers from Robert Woods and Nico Collins. So that'll be, I mean, Saints have a, you guys know, I mean, they've got a, they've got a really good secondary. And I, that's my, probably my biggest concern is do the Texans have receivers who can, who can get consistently get open if there's no run game on Sunday? Question about uh, Tunsil. How's his knee doing? I know he's kind of uh, been dealing with that, didn't practice the other day, but I, I'm just assuming they were kind of resting him in preparation for this Sunday, right? I Yeah, I don't like, look, the, this knee injury to Tunsil came out of nowhere in week two. Like nobody had heard about it. He played in week one against the right. Ravens. Then he pops up on the injury report in, on, in week three. Or week two, sorry. And and I actually texted a friend of mine, you know, who's one of my contacts with the team. I said, is this a is this a knee injury or is this just a, you know, Laramie's been known to take a practice off here and there, you know, veteran guy. And everybody, I, everybody I talked to thought that this was just Laramie kind of like just taking it easy for a week and then he'd be back at practice on Friday. And then all of a sudden he's not traveling with or no, that was a home game. All of a sudden he's not playing against the Colts. Right. And then he didn't play again. And, and then he didn't play again in week three and four. And you started to talk to people said, no, he's actually in a lot of pain right now with this knee injury. So he toughed it out against the Falcons. He didn't practice yesterday. They're probably practicing right now as we're recording this. So we'll see what the injury report says for Thursday. All I've heard for this week is he's expected to play. Right. The Texans are on a bye week the week after this. So, um, so hopefully he can get well. But, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot committed to Laramie Tunsil. They made him the highest paid tackle in football in the offseason. They made him a captain last year in the middle of the season when Brandon cooks went a wall on the team. Cause, cause they fired his guy, Jack Easterby. And, uh, and so, yeah, Laramie has really taken on a leadership role with the team. He's, I mean, he's, he's their best player. At least he's their most decorated right. player, I would say. So I would expect he plays against the saints on Saturday or on Sunday, but nobody, I didn't think he was going to miss week two. So right, all right, bets are off when it comes to Laramie Tunsil. We'll see this, this, I do know. Even without Laramie Tunsil, they found a way with this offensive line to at least keep C.J. Stroud upright. And C.J.'s got yeah. a lot to do with that. They haven't run the football with anybody yet. Take Tunsil, 
they could put Will Shields out there and Dermani Dawson at center, and I don't know that they'd run the football, but they'd keep C.J. Stroud upright, whoever's out there. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, the good old Jack Easterby era, like <laughs> the most bizarre era in sports. But I, I did lie. I have one more question. That's and it's, okay. It, so, when, you know, the Texans were one of the teams that were deep into the Sean Payton sweepstakes. And for a while, yeah. it seemed like, oh, they have two first round picks. Maybe this is what makes the most sense. Maybe that number 12 pick, see, maybe it's on the table. And, you know, they ended up trading him to Denver. Uh, I'm curious, what were, what were kind of your uh, indications during that time? And how did you feel about it? And obviously, it seems like they ultimately got the guy they were they were looking at uh, we, yeah i we, look sean payton I, the only reason i wanted sean payton is because all of a sudden we'd be a place the nfl network would want to come for training camp that was it i i didn't i and i'm not diminishing i'm sean payton's obviously a, was a great coach with the saints i don't know what he is now I, I i felt like that denver thing was a cash grab all along especially when you watch that whole thing play out and the role that colin cowherd played clearly played in all of it in terms of putting the the smoke out there about payton and helping build the payton market up I mean, he's openly talking about, I was off the drinks with Sean Payton, and we got talking about blah, 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 blah. He was open about how tight the two of them were when Payton was at Fox. And now all of a sudden, Payton does a Zoom call with the Texans, the first interview, and three days later, Cowherd is sitting there having these random takes about how weird and bizarre the Texans' ownership is. And you can just tell how bizarre they are, I'm told, even on Zoom calls. Like, oh, who would have told you that, Colin? Wow. Mm. So we really soured on Peyton here when it felt like he was kind of using these back channels to really kind of yeah. trash the Texans. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, like as far as – like, like Peyton can go screw himself for all I care. I hope Denver loses <laughs> every game Stan this year. Feel now too. Yeah, I, he, can, he can lose every game this year. Dude, when I saw Denver's on Thursday Night Football tonight, I already texted my wife. I'm like, I'm going to be up late. I'm just going to let you know. And she's like, well, that's the Chiefs and the Broncos. Like, it's not going to be a close game. I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's going to be awesome to watch. I can't wait. I hope they hang 70 on his ass again, like the Dolphins did three weeks ago. So, yeah, that's the uh, – yeah, Jeff and Steve, that's my feelings on Sean Payton. Get bent. All right. The yeah. question, question and answer definitely. I'm glad you time. asked. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I did too. All right. John Pendergast from Sports Radio 610 over in Houston. Check him out on Payne and Pendergast and also the Hutopia football podcast which you co-host with john mcclain you can check him out on twitter at sean t pendergast thanks so much for the time man really do appreciate it yeah it was fun guys uh safe travels to uh to uh houston this week yeah a 25 minute flight can't wait never know man (laughs) safe travels take take the take the take the well wishes you never know these days safe travels baby safe travels thank you sean all right thanks guys all right good stuff that was sean pendergast again thanks so much for the time. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. We got one more second. We'll be coming back. We're going to hear from Mickey Loomis and what he had to say about Pete Carmichael, which I want to use to kind of dispel one seemingly commonly held notion that I do not think was true at all. So we're going to get into that. And we're going to pick some X factors for week six against the Houston Texans. We've been doing this on offense and defense. I think it's been good. No one's complained about it. So we're going to keep doing it. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. You can also check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports. Stick around.